This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. We're in Isaiah 53 this morning, and I, and I want to just tell you this. What would you put between the words, never and enough? What would you put the words between never and enough? I know there's a song uh, in, um, what is it, Greatest Showman? Yeah. Never Enough. Yeah? Is it, yeah. Help me. <laughs> there's a slide there somewhere, is there? Keep going. There it is. Never enough. Uh, and, and I don't know what you've done, but Brandy Brown, who uh, I've quoted many times before, who did a really sensational te- te- TED talk on our, what she called the, the culture of scarcity, she said this, she said, we're never good enough, never perfect enough, never thin enough, yes, <laughs> never powerful enough, never successful enough. Where's everyone this morning? Why is the church bigger? <laughs> never smart enough, never certain enough, never safe enough. Never extraordinary enough. We've got this scarcity thing uh, going on, on with us. And, and Brenny Brown, uh, she's a Texas academic, uh, she, she said this. It's, uh, the, uh, her words resonate because it's, the essential, it's not because the essentials of life are scarce, but because they're plentiful. That we still drift towards this sense of scarcity and never enough. I, I, I would suggest that those that are, are actually fighting to just kind of have water to drink and, and food to eat, don't feel never enough on all these other wide things. They just think, you know, I, I need more food. I need, you know, I need water to drink. But, but we have all the plenties, but yet we still feel empty. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to walk with Isaiah through the, as it were, a street market. Um, Isaiah's kind of, Isaiah 55 is almost like a, the voices from a street market. And we're going to walk through this street market this morning. And, and if you listen carefully, actually Isaiah helps because he's edited out the other voices. But if you listen carefully, you can hear the voice of a particular street vendor whose voice we want to hear this morning. Um, and so my title was, is uh, you, you Thirsty. What was it? What was that first slide? I can't remember. What my, yeah, there it is. You there, you thirsty. If you read uh, in some other translations, you kind of lose the emphasis of, it's got lots of kind of exclamations and behold and hoy and hey there and yes and okay. It's got all those kind of things that through the passage, uh, and I think sometimes the NIV flattens that out. So I'm using a translation from a commentary by a guy called Alec Motier. So if you think, oh, he's just made it up to fit. No, this guy is a superb, or was, he died a few years ago, a superb Hebrew scholar and he says this. So, so let's go through to the street market, okay? And let's hear the voices of uh, a street vendor. You there, thirsty one, come to the waters. You there, you have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy for no money or no cost, wine and milk. Why spend money on what is not bread and, and money on what you've not labored for uh, and, and the money you've labored for and what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and you will eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Bend your ear. Come to me that your soul may live. Yes, 
And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, with the unfailing love I made promises to David. Look, I made him a testament to the people, a ruler and a royal proclamation to the peoples. Behold, I will, you will call nations you know not, and nations you do, who do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has made you beautiful. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he's near. Let the ungodly leave their ways and the unrighteousness lead their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have compassion on them. And to our God, for he will multiply forgiveness. I love that phrase, he will multiply forgiveness. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways yours, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that you seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I've sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The ma- Oh, sorry. Was, was I miss a f- oh, yes. Sound of music. It's appropriate if you listen. I should remember I've put silly things on there. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorny bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will go. And this will be for the Lord's name or the Lord's renown, an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Father, we thank you as you take us through the the street market, and you make your pitch to us, and you make your promises to us, and you tell us the results of your good wares, I pray, Lord, that we would realise you're speaking to us. You thirsty. Come drink. Lord, I just pray, help us to feel our thirst this morning and want to drink from you. Amen. I don't know if you ever had the a chance of, of going through an authentic street market. Um, my my mum my used to go uh, shopping in Leeds Market, uh, which at that time was a fruit and veg market. So, you know, it's like five bananas for 15 bananas, whatever it is, you know, 15p it probably was in those days, you know. And there's like, you go, in fact, there's a little guy just by Bar Walk who does that, doesn't he? He does his little bit of London street market. Has anyone been there? Yeah, you can buy, you know, but it's not very Cheltenham, is it? It's not the way we do it, really. We sit in our nice shops on Montpellier and we don't really stand on the streets and go, anybody, 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 yes, yes. But you kind of experience that a little bit. If you go to the Portobello Road, they love to do that. Or if you go to the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, if you've got, uh, have a chance to do that, you, 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 you hear the street, street vendors calling out. Or even if you just get to walk past a restaurant when you're on holiday, they're always like, come on in here. Lovely, lovely food, lovely food. What? You get that. Can you, so do you understand the kind of what we're doing? And not what strikes you so much around as you walk through this mark, these markets, I think I've got a picture of the... I had a picture of the Grand Bazaar, but it's gone. Um, yeah, if you walk through the Grand Bazaar, you think, man, look at all the bags, look at all this, look at all this. You go to the jewelry, just the amount of products is amazing. But also the voices calling are amazing. If you stop for a moment and interact, they're, they're there with their pattern, they're there with their sales pitch, aren't they? And you think, oh, I better not, I better not get involved, because you know, I, I don't like to be involved in that kind of conversation. And that's what we've got here. 
What we've got is the, the world is this massive street market of things that you're going to think, right, okay, what am I going to spend my time on? What am I going to spend my money on? What am I going to spend my energy on? There's this massive street market of products to buy. And we walk through this. We walk through this street market of life and there's one voice who's actually calling from a stall that seems quite insignificant. He's basically calling and saying, do you want some water? Do you want some bread and some, some milk? You know, he, he, what he's calling doesn't sound very much and it's perhaps hard to hear his voice above the cacophony of the other street vendors, but it's you there, thirsty one, come to the waters. You have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy for no money at no cost. What kind of street seller is this? Wine and milk, why spend money on what is not bread and the money you've labored for on what does not satisfy? The street vendor's call doesn't seem that attractive. But he sort of points to you and says, you there, thirsty one. You did admit you were feeling pretty. Yes, you know, you there, thirsty one, come to the waters. And you think, is that me? Is that me? It's about like if you went through, uh, you know, um, and you were wearing a particular shirt. It's like, you in the um, slightly tight-fitting uh, flower shirt, you know, whatever. It's like, you, how, how does he know you're thirsty? He kind of calls out to you there, th- and you think, is he talking to me? But you really don't want to know that he's got your attention, do you? Because that's the way street markets go, because once he's got your attention, you're going to get engaged with it in, in a conversation. So actually, at this point, re- the street vendor realises that you're walking past because you've offered your water, and you think, nah, don't need water, I've got plenty of other things. So he kind of ups the ante and he says, want some cream? Some wine? He's trying, he ups the ante. He, he, he puts his sales pitch, but he's, he's still not, he's still not, you seem still not interested, and you're about to move on. He says, come and buy this without money. You who've got no money, come and buy this. Would you like this? It's without money. You think, this, is, this has got to be a trick. You know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. It's got to be a trick. There's no way. And you think, ah, I can't trust this guy. I can't trust this, this sales pitch. You have no money combining. There's got to be a catch. But you realise he's talking to you because he says this. Why have you spent money on what is not bread and the money you've laboured for and what does not satisfy? How does he know that you've spent, that I've spent, the money I've laboured for on things that don't satisfy. How does he know that? Because, thank you, because that's a human condition, isn't it? That's a human condition. That's why we can put between never and enough some word. Because actually, we've been, we've been, we've been, the human condition is, is, is basically emptiness and dissatisfaction. Soul thirst is the default human condition. We weren't created thirsty. We were created to be uh, our thirst quenched, but we've become thirsty. We've become thirsty. Sophie Loren, who remember, I'm, I'm putting some things for some older folks in as well, some younger ones, so we've had the sound of music. Does anyone remember Sophie Loren? Christopher, well done. Great. 50 years ago, she said this. One of the most beautiful women. One of the most beautiful women in the world, she says. In my life, there's an emptiness that's impossible to fill. What about this? Five years ago, MTV and fashion model and actress, whose name I struggle to pronounce, Cara Delevingne, is that right? Delevingne, 
She's on the kind of Max Factor advert. She's actually on a, a, a car advert at the moment. She said this. She wrote this little poem. Empty beyond the point of emptiness. Full to the brim with fake confidence. I'm hurting, but don't tell anyone. No one needs to know. Always okay. Always fine. Always on show. The show must go on. It will never stop. I give up. I give up giving up. I'm lost. I don't need to be saved. I need to be found. You think, whoa! What? We put her in a category and think, well, she's different, isn't she? She must be a different. There must be something wrong with her. Sophie Loren, there must be something wrong with her. But yet, in, in the world's eyes, these two beautiful women have all the currency they need to be happy. Would you agree? If you're a woman, you think, I'd like to be... I mean, some of you, are, you know, you're almost there. <laughs> you think, I'd love to look like Sophie Loren. I'd love to be funky and slim like Cara, whatever her name is. You know, but these women have had the opportunity as they've walked through the street market of life, they've had the opportunity to consume the wares at every stall. You know, they've, they've, they've climbed to the top of the 20th century market, top of the consumer ladder, and tasted whatever they wanted to have. They've lived in chic city apartments and holidayed on white sand beaches and swam in warm turquoise seas. You already want to go there, don't you? <laughs> They've driven the coolest cars and tasted the excitement, perhaps, of many men. But yet they're hungry and thirsty and empty. We, don't, we read these celebrity stories and we somehow don't really believe it. Because the advertising industry and the street vendors of Hollywood and the street vendors of Madison Avenue, the advertising industry, have told us that if we get that particular product from that particular stall, we're going to be satisfied, yeah? That's what we're told, aren't we? We're told if you purchase the chic city centre apartment, then, then you'll be full. If you climb to the top of the corporate ladder, then you'll be full. If, if you holiday, please, Lord Jesus, on white sandy beaches and swim in warm turquoise seas, then, I'll, then you'll be happy. There's an advert, isn't there, for Turkish holidays. It's got my attention. I've mentioned it more than once, actually. And do you know, anyone know what the strap line is? Obviously, none of you watch TV. It's the search for turquoise is ended. And I think, oh, I'm going to Turkey. Take me there now. <laughs> if I go to Turkey, that'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be happy. I'll be full. No, actually, and I've got this old banger of a car. And my neighbour, uh, he keeps bringing every time he parks his car. There's like it's a different, different Range Rover. He's like, he was in a black one, and then he went away, and then the next one, it's a, it's like they're all in his like with W A R because that's his name, and then it's like a blue one. I think, flip, how many has he got? And then the next day he rolls in with a, with a Porsche. And I've got my battered old can of Zafira that the, that the guy says, you are going to get a new one, aren't you? You're going to scrap this one, aren't you? I think, oh. And I start searching on the internet, for, you know, it's actually a kind of exchange of Mart. <laughs> you know, there must be a car out there, there must be a car out there for me. Then I'll feel fulfilled that I won't be embarrassed. 
But it's a waste of time, isn't it? Golden Globe actor, never nominated for an Oscar. He probably thinks, if only I got an Oscar. But you know, Golden Globe actor, uh, multiple Golden Globe actor, Jim Carrey said this. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Why have you spent your money on what's not bread and the money you've laboured on for what does not satisfy? New York preacher, often quoted here, Tim Keller says this. I think that most of us aren't able to recognise our soul thirst for what it is. As long as you think there's some pretty good chance that you can achieve some of your dreams, as long as you think you have a shot at success, you experience your inner emptiness as drive and your anxiety as hope. And so you can remain almost completely oblivious to the deep, to how deep your soul thirst actually is. Most of us tell ourselves we're unfulfilled because we haven't been able to achieve our goals. And so we live almost all our lives admitting to ourselves that uh, it should say with, without. Yes, does it say with? It says with. With, okay. Uh, all our lives without admitting to ourselves the depths of our thirst. You there, you there, thirsty one, you there, come to the waters, you have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, you, come buy, you've got no money, come and buy what, no cost, wine and milk. Why have you spent your money on what's not bread and why have you laboured for what does not satisfy? You turn to the street vendor and you know he's talking to you. He knows your thirst he knows you're broke. He knows that you've tasted products on the market and remained and remained and remained unsatisfied. He has your attention. And this street vendor is offering something so rich and overflowing for no money and no cost. 600 years later, the street vendor, if you know your Bible, finds himself at a deserted well. And a woman comes to him and says, I'd like a drink. Come in for water. And Jesus says, he's the street vendor if you haven't spotted it. He, he says, I'd like a drink. She's surprised. He's asking her for a drink because the trail of her broken relationships and the men who've broken her promises has left her with nothing. She's spent all her life on her labour on nothing and she's not satisfied. She keeps coming to the well, but she's got this unquenchable thirst. She certainly no life giver of water. Why is Jesus asking her for a drink? And then he says, our street vendor says, if you knew the gift of God, and who is to ask you for a drink, you'd have asked him. And he'd given you living water. You walk through the street market, and you look at the street vendor, and you look at his offering of water, and bread, and wine. Could it really be life-giving? Could it really be ultimately satisfying? Could really this life-transforming feast be yours without cost? And you're worried. You're worried that it's not true. There's no adverts on TV telling you that this is the product you need to be happy. There's nothing grabbing your attention that says this is what you need to taste. So you're a little sceptical. So as I thought about it, I thought, the vendor kind of leans forward and whispers, listen, listen to me, and you will eat what is good. 
Your soul will delight in the richest affair. Bend your ear to me, and your soul may live. You're stepping into his store and say, whoa, could this be true? Is really something being offered that's infinitely rarer and richer and more treasured and more priceless than every other stall I've ever visited? But the invitation is beyond bread and wine. The invitation is come to me. Jesus takes the bread at the stall and says, look, this is my body that was broken for you. It's me that's on offer. I'm the bread. I'm the wine. The night is betrayed. It says Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to him, saying, this is my body given given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Jesus takes us on one side and shows us the feast. And actually the feast is him. And he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The question that staggers us then should be, if this is such an amazing feast, if we get to to taste and see the goodness of God, why do we just walk on by? Why are we just not interested? Why does it seem we're so indifferent? Why does society seem so indifferent to all this? Maybe you're indifferent this morning. The Messiah in the Isaiah understands our struggle and he says, okay, I want to tell you that, that you can trust my word. The fact that the Bible today is, is not trusted because we trust ourselves. We're, we, we're saying, I can't really trust that word from outside. I can't really trust your word even though it sounds like it's resonating because it, it, it's not come from me. Mark Sayer in his book that I've been reading and I'll probably give you some more stuff later on uh, as we go through the year. He says, in our expressive individualistic culture where autonomy and authority lie within ourselves, the enthroning itself as the greatest authority has increasingly relegated God to the role of servant to the personal will. The Bible has been displaced to the foundation of how we should think and is supplanted by personal experience, desire and preference. So when Jesus comes in his word and says, come and taste and see, we, our culture tells us to be skeptical. It tells us to be a little reluctant. But actually, Jesus, uh, Jesus turns around and offers his, his testimonial. He offers and say, look, I, 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 people have tasted and seen this. Actually, it's done them good. I don't know if you've ever looked at a bottle of Heinz ketchup, if you, know, if you can upgrade and you don't use Morrison's own. But it's got a coat of arms on it, hasn't it? It's got a coat of arms and it says, by royal warrant. You just imagine the queen cutting with her burger and like, <laughs> squeezing that cheap bottle. There you go, by royal warrant. You know, the TVs, you can buy, you know, Samson TVs by royal warrant. Hunter Wellies by royal warrant. And there's these kind of products of royal warrant. And it's like the the street seller calls us and he said, look, I want to give you this product that's actually endorsed by King David, the most famous celebrity in your culture. I'm going to tell you it's been endorsed by him. He says, look, he says, look, I'm going to make, I understand you're sceptical. He says, yes, I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. With my unfailing love, I made promises to David. Look, I made made him a testimony, a royal warrant to the people, a royal proclamation. 
Behold, you call nations you do not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Of course, the Lord your God, the Holy One, has made you beautiful. He basically says about David, I, I took this guy David and he was walking through the, stro- the street market of life and he came and I said, come and taste. And then what happened is the result of him tasting and drinking, he, he went from this shepherd boy that nobody cared about, that nobody regarded, that nobody loved, and I made him the king. Do you want a taste of that? David writes his testimony. This is the testimonial. Click on the website about for the for the for the, the water and the and the, the the bread and the wine. He says this is David's testimonial. This is the sales pitch that God says. David says, You're my, "You God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water." You can almost hear the kind of I've tasted the water in a dry and parched land. I've tasted the water. I've seen you in your temple and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. I've tasted life, but your love is better than life. My lips are going to say, you're wonderful. I'll praise you as long as I live and your name. I'll lift up my hands. I will be satisfied with you as the richest of foods. Singing with my mouth and lips. Can you hear the echoes? When he's saying you're going to be satisfied with the richest food, he's saying, hey, this is David's endorsement. The Messiah and Isaiah says, you can trust me because it's been, it's been, this product has been tasted by David and made him transformed. You can trust me because I'm trustworthy. He says this, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it blood, bud and flourish. So you'd seed for the sower and bread for the eater, sow my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent it. We can know that this is trustworthy because, because it's like God's word is like rain and snow that comes down from the heaven and waters the ground and makes it all green and fruitful. Have you noticed that, how green and fruitful it is? I'm saying I wish it was brown and parched like last year. But the Messiah in Isaiah is the word that came down from heaven, who took on human flesh, who lived and died to put an end to our sinful, empty brokenness, to multiply forgiveness. To pour his risen life into us so we might flourish and eat the bread of life. Jesus sent from his Father, cries out on the cross, I am thirsty. He became thirsty because he wanted to quench your thirst. It's almost he quotes this line, it's actually from another psalm, but he says, It's finished, it's accomplished. I've done it, I've achieved the purpose for which I was sent. I've come to multiply forgiveness. I've come to satisfy the unsatisfied. I'm going I'm to quench your deepest thirst. That's why I'm hanging there. I need to rush because I said, whoa, flip. I said you could have extra time back if I went over my time and I'm running now. Okay. But this offer comes with a warning. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The Messiah in Isaiah suggests there's a moment, a window of opportunity when God himself allows him to be found, when the moment is near. It's almost like, you, imagine you walk past the, the, through the street market and you hear the vendors call, the street vendors call, come by, you are thirsty, come by without money, and you think, okay, I'll come back. And you go through your life and you come back and then you come back and think, where is he? There's a moment Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
call on him while he's near. Our consumer world of choice, we expect things on our terms. We can have them when we want them. We can be like that with God. We can have this manana, which means tomorrow attitude to the Christian life. I'll pursue Jesus tomorrow. When the slower family day comes with my kids sleeping through the night, then I'll pursue Jesus. When they're not attending the clubs, then I'll pursue Jesus. When they're not sitting exams, then I'll pursue Jesus. Then I'll have time for him. Because you know he's always there. His market stall is there Sunday by Sunday. And I can just come when I fancy. I'll pursue Jesus tomorrow when the slower day at work comes. When I've gained that pay rise, then I'll do it. When I'm married, that's the moment. When I've paid for that car, when I've finished that project on the house. When I've watched that box set, when I've experienced a turquoise. Then I'll seek Jesus. Because he's always there for me. When I want him. But Jesus' brother, James, says, just think about it. He says, now listen to what you say. Today or tomorrow I'll go this and do that in the city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why do you do not even know what happened tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then he's gone. Basically what, what the vendor is saying is, this offer is now. You might come looking tomorrow and it might not be there. You might not be there. He says, focus, 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 people, on now, this moment. He says, let the ungodly, if, if, basically that means anybody, where, if God is competing for first place in your life with other products in the marketplace, then that's called ungodliness. Let the ungodly leave their consumer ways and the unrighteousness their false thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord in hell of compassion on them. He will multiply forgiveness. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts and your thoughts. Jesus is saying, get some perspective. If you could see what I could see, you'd seek me now. If you knew my thoughts, if you knew what I knew, you'd seek me now. The Messiah in the Isaiah is coming to the end of his sales pitch, as I am. But he just spends a moment just to say, let me tell you what it's like when you taste this wonderful saviour. What you taste this bread of life, when you taste this life-giving spirit. Let me tell you what it's like. He says, people you do not know will come running to you. Because the Lord your God has made you beautiful. How much time and money and labour do we try to spend on trying to look good? And we think, if only someone would come running to me, then I'll be happy. Jesus says, people that you don't know are going to come running to you. There's something beautiful about being a serious drinker of God's spirit. You'll go out with joy and be led forth in peace. And this is the sound of music moment. The mountains and hills will burst into songs before you. You know, the, the people that have drunk from this there's an overflowing joy. You don't have to, come on, we don't have a better PA kit and we need to ramp up and get better songs and we'll work incredibly hard to put some energy out there to you and you, you might just think, well, it needs to be better before I'm going to be impressed. You know, there's plenty of other market stalls with better worship than this one. No. There's an overflowing joy that bubbles out in worship if you taste and see that God is good. And, he's, and then he says, and I, thought, I just finished with this, I thought it was interesting. He says, instead of the thorny bush, you will grow the juniper. 
Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. I thought, well, we'll put a line through that. I haven't got a clue what that's about. But I thought about it. If you are living a dry and perched, parched land, what, what's the nature, a bit of biology, what's the nature of, product, of, of, of plants in a dry and parched land? They are spiky and prickly. Do you know spiky and prickly people? That's where they're living. Mr. Grumpy. <laughs> so it can be living. But he says, he says this, they'll be like the juniper and the myrtle. I thought, research. Those are evergreen trees. That's interesting, isn't it? Evergreen trees. And they're really interesting evergreen trees because they flower and bear fruit. Flowering and bearing fruit all the time. Psalm, <laughs> Psalm 1 says, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bearing fruit all the season. I like juniper as well, do you? Yes, we like it with a fever tree and a slice of lemon, eh? <laughs> Let's have the band back. Let's have the band back. We're going to break bread in a moment, but first we just... I just want you to reflect. The street sellers found himself again in John 7. He says this, same call, same product, same cost that he's paying but you're getting for free. Jesus says, it says on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, that those who believed in him were later to receive. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.